This week's episode is brought to you by The Big Picture. Keep helping keep us grounded when some of the little things aren't so fun. Thanks, Big Picture. Safe to say this top line is the best in the league. Yeah, we are. As McCarr jumps in, moves it and shoots back! Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. I'm Steph, and you're locked into Burgundy Radio for October 28th, 2019. The Colorado Avalanche podcast that's better than all the others because you're listening to it. And who has better taste than you? Coming up on the show, this week was very, and we're going to look at how that happened. But before we play the whoosh, your disembodied voices for the week. Say hello to Earl. Hi, Earl. Hello, friends. Also joining us is Jackie. How are you? Hello, hello. And joining us again is Rudo. Hello, Rudo. Yep. This will be our last weekly show for a little while. We're going to slip back into the one per two week schedule here. Not the Av schedule has gotten into a more stable grind. Ne- so next week will be a buy for us. That means next week's Avs games will probably have more stories than all the others combined. So buckle up. On Monday, Avs fall 3-1 to the St. Louis Blues, a game they only managed 18 shots. They were playing their fifth road game in eight days and pals looked like it. Name a metric, the Avs got stomped in it. More importantly than this game's outcome, though, was Mikko Rantanen stepping into a rut and his foot doing a thing feet aren't supposed to do. He's out for a few weeks with an injury described as lower body, obviously. The only Colorado goal here was McKinnon on the power play. This was just 60 minutes of oof. What do y'all want to say about this game? Because I don't have much. It's hard to remember because it was almost exactly a week ago. <laughs> Uh, there was nothing to remember. It just was bad hockey. Yeah, just... I mean, the circumstances dictated what we saw as far as being very late on a long power or a long road trip, and you know, it just sort of looked like it. Yeah, it sucks to tack on road division games on the way back from a long road trip. That seems kind of like a recipe for disaster. But I'll get ready for it. It's they... going to happen again soon. Yeah. <laughs> But they don't play well in St. Louis, so I'm not going to say that's an excuse. They It's usually a tough place for them to play. But they were kind of due for this kind of game. And then after Miko went down at the beginning of the second period, it just they were just ready to get back on the bus. This was their first regulation loss of the season, and whew, they really earned it. Um, so... Everything was obviously kind of a mess after Ransonen went down with the injury. Um, and the team kind of reacted, you know, by saying nothing like they do. So we had to wait two whole days to find out whether he was destroyed or not. But we finally end up with JT Comfer taking his place on the top line. And we'll, we'll obviously get into what happened the rest of the week. Um, but how do we feel like that decision is panning out so far versus what their other options could have been? I get that that JB didn't want to mess up the second line and you know, you shouldn't pull from your fourth line there. Um, So, you know, taking someone off of Joe's line seemed to be the call. Um, Probably doing the least damage lineup wide. Um, I think they probably are going to end up trying some stuff depending on how long this, this goes, but um I you mean, know, it, late, it's going to be mixed yeah. results every, you know, no matter who you put there. 
Yeah, I, the comfort thing went exactly how I s expected it to. There's going to be some nights where he looks fine there, and there's going to be some nights where you're just completely questioning the whole thing entirely. It, yeah. It's pretty idealistic to think that he can be a consistent guy there. On a game-to-game ba -game basis, he's not going to kill you, but I there are better options. Breaking up the second line isn't great, but you're going to make your team better by picking one of those guys, I think. Yeah, I mean, I get that you're not going to find a Miko lying around that whoever you put there is going to have some deficiencies, but Comfort would not have been my pick either. Like, I would have even picked Wilson if you want to use the lineup as a reason, and I'm not Wilson's biggest fan, but... I mean, he's more of a top six player than Comfer is, and then... You can only is... pick Wilson if Miko's healthy, though, because that, that's how that works. <laughs> <laughs> then that would I, be I mean, a disaster. <laughs> but I, I think Wilson might got... have more complementary skills than Comfer does as far as working with the other two. This but... is, like, why you got Burakovsky. This is, like, the whole reason why you got a player like him is so... So he could fill in in circumstances like this, and like I get the second line had a good game before that happened, but it's it wouldn't be completely breaking it apart if he kept Kadri with one of the two. And I think Kadri and Donskoy have a little more chemistry than Burakovsky with the other two. It just it. It seems like Burkovsky's been a little bit invisible, perhaps. Um, you know, obviously he's not going to score two game-winning goals in a row every game, and you know that's that's you know you shouldn't expect a forty-goal guy out of Burkovsky. But <clears throat> I think if you're going to move someone off the second line, he'd probably be the best choice. Yeah. Donskoy might be a little bit better player. For for the first line, but I, I think you can have two better lines by moving Burakovsky up. I I agree that I think Donskoy's skill set fits the role better, but I don't know if I'd call Burakovsky invisible. Sure, he's not blowing up on the score sheet quite as much, but the more I watch him, the more I see him doing all of the good little things that a top six player needs to do. So he is. I, I agree with that. What what I'm not seeing from him that I really liked in the early part of the season was his sort of uh, bullish zone entries. Um, and that's that's kind of tailed off. And some of that was playing some more grindy teams and you're just not going to have the space and the, and the ability to use speed. So you know maybe I'm being a little tough on him for that, for, for just the, the kind uh, yeah. of opponents. Well, is his defense good enough for the top line? I mean... Not that those others I have mean, you're been comparing yeah, to comfort, it's, so. it's not going to be worse than Rantanen's. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I think that there's an argument to be made that JT Comfort's job on this team is to play in whatever role coach says or whenever coach says so. So you can kind of make an argument that he could at least take at least like half of the, sh of the even strength shifts on the top line. Where I struggle is that he's also slipped into Miko's spot on the power play. Yeah, and, and Andre Burakovsky's right there. It's, I think you. I mean, you I even have Kadri right on that power play already. That I'd be more comfortable putting there, and you can put Comfort as the bumper. I think this is your perfect time. You put 
Gerard and Makara's power play one. Yeah, I mean, I, just going on Makara there, I think I, I think obviously they wanted Makar shooting more, and they wanted to sort of use uh, power play two as a vehicle for that. Yeah. So hundred uh, percent. Um, but Colorado <clears throat> keep... have had a lot better power play success this week, and we're going to talk about that a little bit later on. Yeah. So I mean, I'll die on the hill that two defensemen won't change the Avs power play problems at all. If anything, I think it'll exasperate them. So. Well, it can't make it worse. I don't know about, about that. I, I just think your talent, like Comfort, is not a power play player. He his shot isn't accurate. He's better on the rush. Like when he gets his shorthanded chances, he's they have better players for the front of the net. He's just he's not a top six player. Like he third line, maybe fourth line if you have everybody healthy is like what he is. So I mean their view I, of him as a better player than that is kind of a problem. I, uh, it shows up on the score sheet though. Like yeah. He got an assist on the power play the other night which we'll get to. It I don't necessarily disagree with you that I don't know that that's the best use of talent, but I mean if it works it works. Yeah, he's he also, got a little clutch sixty yeah. going on the power play. I I agree with Jackie that he's you know he, you wouldn't think that he would you know be a good candidate to step up, but somehow he does. He also booted the puck several times. I mean that game he was awful in, but we'll save it. Yeah, Comfort has this um this real talent to be put into a, a situation that's over his head and immediately just rise to the occasion and play awesome for, for a little while. And then just then fade. Go, then goes right <laughs> back down to his normal after like shortly after that. It's like, there's some intensity that he can turn on, but then there just isn't quite enough in the tank to keep it there. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's fine for a, a game or two, which we've seen, but what we haven't discussed is kind of like, the Miko, we don't know how long it's going to be. They kind of said they'd reevaluate after one week, so this is this will be the the week. And then yeah, he said he, he said he'd know more Tuesday or Wednesday whether we get that kind I of mean, information. You can infer some things. They called him week to week. Bednar says he's hopeful about it. He's been seen walking around. Yes, he has something supporting the ankle, but. You know, he's not bedridden or anything. It's not a cast, it's not a boot, there's not a crutch. So, is the guess that maybe one more week, or... I mean, we'll obviously be able to tell when he starts skating, or I mean, practicing. I think if, he's, if he comes back before Thanksgiving, I think we're, you know, we're pretty lucky. Yeah, I mean... I think, I think given the information we... I mean, we would have said that Monday night, for sure, but I think given the information we have now, it should only be a couple more weeks maybe i think three weeks is possible if they injected him with some ian cole warlock blood or whatever but <laughs> yeah i mean yeah three weeks would be real nice you know but <clears throat> um you know thanksgiving if, if if he's playing before thanksgiving i i think we're pretty happy with that outcome right yeah, I think Thanksgiving's I... a pretty reasonable expectation honestly like just from, from everything about... we know so far I think my yeah, answer is the same. Like, it's about six weeks. 
I mean, yeah, don't. There's no reason to rush him. The fact that he's going to be playing before like March is a win. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, people were internet doctoring him for eight to twelve weeks or season or whatever. People were well, looking yeah, at, that, at that video going, <laughs> "Oh, that might be an ACL." Uh, can Can you save it? <laughs> Yeah, he's not yeah, a bully. If... It's not his ACL. <laughs> it would have taken eight weeks. Yeah. But I guess this is maybe a time where his Bambi, Gumby limbs saved him. But I don't know. I, I think he's going to be back before then. They're going to need him. As much as they can shuffle guys around, they really will need Miko. As much other I, I, scoring I honestly getting, don't think they do need him. I, they I mean, they this... totally do. They're, they're, <laughs> as much other scoring as they're getting and as much goaltending as they're getting right now, like these are not things you can count on long term. They they need them. They do, yeah. but if you're going to have them out right now is the time when you could be without him and, and have it hurt the least. Yeah, totally. Well, I don't they, all the that. games count the same. All, all the games count the same. There's less games now, though. <laughs> There's, the tempo is, is much less than it would be later in the season. Yeah, I well, mean, no, it's not March, but yeah. the question to ask here is: Are the Abs a 500 team without Miko? And if the answer to that is yes, then they are already enough games above 500 that they don't really need him. Well, they're one and two without him, so there not might yet. Be <laughs> <laughs> they haven't played enough games yet to know whether it's 500 or not. But they yeah. have played some other games, um, starting on Friday. We've been saying all season, you know, Colorado look good. They're winning all their games, but they still haven't really unlocked everything. They haven't played their best game yet. Well, Friday in Vegas might be their best game. Avs win 6-1 with JT in the Miko spot. P.E. Belmar starts the party in the first minute with a goal in his former town. Kale McCarr got his first. Matt Calvert had a pair, including a shorthanded laugher off Garrett Sparks' foot. Nazem Kadri had a pair that were less hilarious and more eye-opening. The only Vegas goal was some bouncing puck magic bullshit that found its way to an open William Carlson. Colorado controlled shots on goal 40-25, to including 19 in the second period alone, and then cruised, which is nice since they were starting a back-to-back. This was... wow. Yeah. That's that's the best the Avs can play. Straight up. I, if they play like that five more times this entire regular season, that'd be fantastic. Well, it's... You know, you see a pattern here. I kind of liken this game to both the Tampa game and the Washington game, where they just they went into a tough place to play against a good team and just blasted them right out of the water. And my question there was, you know, are these teams just having a bad night and the Avs taking advantage of it, or are the Avs kind of inflicting a bad night upon these three teams? See, that's I think some of both, right? I... Yeah, I mean, you have to give the Avs credit that they're the ones that took it to them, but these teams have had some struggles. Tampa certainly hasn't been as good as they can be. Yeah, Tampa's be. the one you could kind of see, like, yeah, they, you know, they they were probably bad. And then... But it's like, Washington's the, the best team in the East, more or less. And, you know... That, Vegas, that I is... know people like to dump on Vegas. I, I still think they're a top-tier team, but... At certain points, it definitely looked like they didn't have it. But I'd say the first period, even though 
that game will be remembered as a beatdown. That first game, that first period was pretty even. I think that was just straight up good Against hockey. Vegas? Yeah, the first no way. I think was good. No way. The abs no, destroyed them. The only thing that was even was Flurry played out of his goddamn mind. Right. Yeah. That, that could have been five nothing at the end of the first easily. It was a it was a good game from the sense of flow of play. It was the second period where they just took them out to the woodshed yeah. and the game I, was I, over. I do think Vegas did play better than teams like Tampa, though. The Avs rode like a 35% shooting percentage against Tampa in the second period or something insane. Yeah, against Tampa, they got outshot just hugely. Yeah, like by a billion. And yeah. the Vegas game, the Avs were much more consistent about inflicting the game the way they wanted to. They pushed the pace. They controlled the puck. They controlled the play. And Vegas did yeah. eventually cave to that, but that's just because the Avs forced them into a corner. Yeah. I would say for sure in the second. In the third, Vegas was just ready to go home, but... So were the Avs. Yeah. Yeah, that, yeah. that third period was 100% academic. Like, there was no <laughs> reason to play it. But Bednar's is going to have that, that game on, on, like, tape, ready to queue up any time he wants to make a point about how they should play. <laughs> And and the Washington game was one of those where Holpe really didn't have it, so you don't really know, um, you know, what that game would have looked like if 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 it had been competitive from the start, because the Avs scored on their first three shots in that one. So right, it's, and Washington you know, staged a real comeback too. Yeah. So uh, you know, I, I think all three of those games were very impressive, and it, it was basically three different ways they they pulled off sort of a blowout, even though Tampa wasn't really a blowout. So, I, I'm tending to think that the Avs are going in and, you know, taking advantage of sort of what they're dealt, but they're also doing some dealing on their own. Well, this I'll... is a good team that's, I, I think that we're seeing a, a really good team coming into these barns and, and, you know, the other team is just not able to keep up. Well, they're also really good with a lead, and I believe those three games all had an early lead. But it's good to see that they can build on a lead. The Caps game and definitely yeah. had an early lead. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I don't shots, remember how fast goals. they scored in Tampa, but it probably was pretty early. Uh, I remember Tampa being pretty even until Joe went off in the second period. Yeah, the, the Tampa yeah. game was pretty even until the second period. So I think that's one thing that that I think is a characteristic of this Avs team is is how they play with the lead and how they manage it. So that's a good thing moving forward. Uh, yeah, it's gotten better. I'll, I'll say that. It was definitely a big question at the start of the season. Yeah, there's there's not been much turtling lately, but in the early part of the season... You know, there were some def there were some definite letdowns. In well, some thirds will always look ugly, like like the one in Washington. That didn't bother me because you just totally expected the pushback there. Yeah, I was talking more about the first home stand where they blew multiple two goal leads, but yeah, never a fan of that. That's always real spooky. Yeah. I think, that's, that's, I think we're seeing... That was the stretch where they had to score a lot because they weren't going to win if they didn't. Yeah, I, I, th <laughs> I think we're really seeing the team, like, grow with how they play with the lead. And it's like, it's, that's really encouraging because 
past seasons as to seen a, the season long turtle and nobody wants that. Yeah, exactly. It, that's the mark of a better team for me is that growth and years of not doing that. And then you do, you don't do it. And you make the playoffs for two years. It's the next logical step. And one thing I'm really liking is I'm sure it's very tempting for the staff to put Belmar's line on a lot when they're trying to hold a lead and you know, they do play a lot. I mean, that's sort of one of their roles, but they are not getting overplayed. Like I kind of thought they were going to be this season. And I think that's, you know, that's both good for the team and for them because they are by not being overplayed. They're fresh when they come on the ice and that energy that they can add to a game is always there. And I, I think that's really important to their success. Yeah, I agree. It makes them an effective fourth line that's actually fourth line. I know they had great numbers in the last game, but that is one thing they're going to have to improve in general is they can't get outshot all the time. See, all right, I think that's... A lot of people look at their possession percentage and they're like ah i don't know about that but their their shots against rate is pretty much the same as most of the rest of the team and what they don't do is generate the same amount of attempts as everyone else and and you know well, some people red way. flag yeah, yeah some people way. red flag that and say they're not shooting but they do play a heavy possession type game where they're not shooting but they do have the puck in the offensive zone yeah. a lot i mean well, you, my yeah. thing is they're kind of riding a silly shooting percentage, which is going to come down. And that's something I want to wait and see on, because guess what? When you're shooting 25%, you're not going to shoot as much because the puck's just already in the goal. <laughs> right. But, I mean, that's also well, not their role. I mean, they're, they're, their job is to come on and play that possession kind of style, like you were saying. But also, like they they have a lot fewer opportunities when you're when you only get like ten minutes of ice time. One really good or one really bad shift is going to make a massive impact on your percentages. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean that that would be the argument for anybody that doesn't play a ton. Well, that that is the argument that they don't play a ton. <laughs> yeah, but well, it's good. like it's like right <laughs> now it's effective because they're scoring and which is great. But like you said, when that shooting percentage dries up and they're not scoring, is then getting out possessed good enough? But hey, it works for now, so... I'm expecting a normalization there, is basically what I'm saying. I, yeah, I mean, you, 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 I mean, you look at... They had, they had a graphic last night of Nieto, Belmer, and, and Calvert's points so far, and you're looking at it, it's like, I'm sure they're first lines in the National Hockey League that don't have that right now. So, um, yeah, that's, that's going to normalize. But, I, I mean, I think they can score more than the usual Avs fourth line has over the, the past decade or two. Well, the Avs' usual fourth um, line of the past decade or two hasn't included three NHLers. Exactly. So sometimes it hasn't included one in each other. What is that noise? Oh, sorry. That that's what happens when I turn my microphone on and off. A cough. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, I won't do that. I mean, it's I better much than... prefer that noise to the cough. <laughs> yeah, a million percent. Right. No, I'll just I'll figure something else out. <laughs> It was just like a sudden thud. Thud. I was like, what? 
Okay, good. We know now. Did someone just step (laughs) on the internet? What happened? Um, (laughs) But injuries, I think, will also probably move them up in the lineup. Yeah, especially Nieto. Really? You think Nieto? I think well, Nieto. Well, he's already on the third line. Boy. I mean, he has, but if you're talking on play, it's Calvert. It has to be. Yeah, but separating Calvert more, and Belmer, I, I just can't see them doing that, because they're, I mean, they're just yeah, the, the Wonder right. Twins down you're, there. You're not wrong, but, I mean, Belmar's I mean, obviously I not could... moving. They love him at center. Yeah, I mean, I think you could swap Nachushkin and Nieto and probably do both lines a favor. I mean, um, you could also just play Gavin Evans instead of the There you go. But, hey, uh, yeah, spoilers. Idea. spoilers. Spoilers, spoilers, spoilers. Um, the, my problem is the one person who's not consistently producing offense right now is Nieto, so I struggle with rewarding that. I just, I, I don't, I mean, I think that the, the chemistry between Calvert and Belmer has them doing... You know, they're they're just on the same page offensively. No, you you're right, but Nieto isn't. Nieto's been fine on the third line. He's Nieto. He's gonna create opportunities and then fail to finish them. He's exactly the player that we know he is. But that's Colin yeah. Wilson too. So but at least he can handle the puck, <laughs> unlike Nachushkin. I I I don't know if we want to talk about this pass or not, but can we talk about Nachushkin's pass against Anaheim? The one that kind of like calling that a pass is generous. <laughs> pass attempt. We'll call it a pass attempt. Yeah, I, that's a stat for the point, so I think we can use it. That was oh boy. <laughs> uh, the Nachushkin experiment ended against Vegas for me when he didn't score yeah. in that game. It was like okay. It's never happening. Yeah, and he got he got a great feed from Sam, and it was just like, come on, man. <laughs> and he was just tossing the puck away all night. And it's, I feel for the guy, because like, he does do some things well. Like I like his forecheck pressure a lot. He's pretty good without the puck in the defensive zone. But it, you, you put that puck on or near his stick, and it's just... It's bad. It's terrible. It's ugly. Yeah. It hurts. It's yeah. it's alarming. Is is that's something anyone can recover from it and i know that like skill level is kind of like what you have but he had to have had more skill than that before right but, but i mean go? maybe he was taking one-timers or something I, that's the only thing i can think <laughs> I, I never really saw him when he was good just because I, I i mean i really don't remember his rookie season that well i mean i know that his size and everything is why he got drafted but i mean you just don't draft someone at 10th overall with zero puck skill Apparently you do. Avs drafted Duncan Siemens at 11, so... Well, as as a defenseman, but a little different. It's not like Nachushkin's young. I mean, you you can start losing your hands at age 23 or so. I mean, I I, I just... I I have a problem, you know, seeing... You know, like Rudo said, it's like, how does, you know... How does this dude what happened before translate to what we see now and it's just it's it's alarming every so time like, you're near the puck and it, it you just i think he really had a bad effect on jost and wilson who have been playing pretty well over the past week or so i, I and they that line was just awful last night and it's like what do they do it they're already down to playing him you seven minutes play him. a night 
Yeah, well, you can play someone else. Yeah, there you go. If we're going to talk about last play. night, let's go ahead and talk about last night. Yeah. The Avalanche come home to face awaiting Anaheim Ducks and have basically the opposite game to Friday. Nothing yeah. worked for two periods. Nobody could beat Ryan Miller, except Ryan Miller when Jonas Donskoy tried to pass through the crease and hit blocker instead. Pubble Frenzels gets the start and gives up one he wants back in the first minute. But it isn't like Anaheim were fantastic either. Finally, Colorado uh, turned it on in the third, but that was too little too late. McKinnon adds another power play goal, but the Ducks win 5-2. My predictions from last week ended up just being total back-ass words, didn't it? Um, so this was the Rudo curse. Yeah, confirmed Rudo curse. The, but once they slapped Vegas down, this game immediately became a total letdown game, 100,000%. Six-game road trip, their first game at home in a week and a half. They're on a back-to-back. The Ducks are rested. It it was a recipe for disaster. You know what else makes it a recipe so for disaster? It's three days off. They have three days off after it. Like They're playing three sets of back-to-backs on the weekend in a row. Like The Tampa game was the second night of it shouldn't. It really shouldn't be an excuse. They should have been able to win this game, especially since I think Anaheim's better than what people give them credit for. But it's still one of the weaker teams that they've faced in a while. I can't believe I'm agreeing with the altitude broadcast right now. But one hundred percent, the Avs are feeling really high after getting their first win in Vegas and just dominating. And this Ducks team is sitting in Colorado waiting, saying, we need to play the pants off these guys because we need this win. And they did. Yeah, they had lost three in a row. Right. Going I think that. that'd be worse if it really was because they thought they were just fantastic and kind of blew off the game. I think if they're at that point already, I think that's pretty terrible. And I don't think that's what happened. I don't think they blew off the game. I mean, they really didn't come out to play. (laughs) Yeah, they came in a little bit confident, and they struggled off the bat, and then things got out of control for various reasons, one of which being that the top line just completely cratered. Yeah, the top line was bad. If they're going to be the team that everyone thinks this team should be, they should be able to figure out how to string together good wins in a row. I mean, they won plenty of games I mean, two weeks ago. Yeah. <laughs> so one um, other confounding factor in this game was that this was a Tim Peel joint. So this meant that we had to review McKinnon's goal. It also meant that one of Anaheim's goals was on a power play because if your stick touches Silverberg's stick, he falls down. Never fails. Good old yeah. Peel. Yeah. I mean, I I didn't like Landis Gog's game last night, but they were, you know. God. Some, the, some penalties of the penalties especially were awful. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that was rough. Um, one thing that I'm seeing, and it's a little disturbing, is that teams like the Ducks that are, you know, maybe not as skilled, or maybe they have young guys that, that will be skilled but, but aren't quite there yet, um, but play a very grindy style, are given the as fits and. You know, we saw this it's in the like Blues game. game, right? You know, there's there's sort of a cadre of teams that have given Avs problems this year, and they're all very similar. Um, 
I think and, it ties back into the top line. Last year against those style of teams, the three-headed monster would roll in and just be like, grind all you want. We don't care. We're better than you, and we're going to outskill you. And they haven't done that this year. They've kind of gotten caught up in the muck and haven't been able to really create like they normally can. Right, and if you're a, a defensive coach, you're going to be looking at the Avalanche, and you're like, there's one thing that we cannot let this team do, and that's skate around. You know, we have to muck it up. We have to clog, and, you know, Take if we happen to score some... They'll stop skating on the power play for us. Right, and if we get some goals, great, maybe we can beat them. And that that seems to be the formula that has come closest to working and has worked. Um for St. Louis in Anaheim. so it, It's just not new. I mean, th- this yeah. is the water to Colorado's fire. It has been for as long as I've been watching this team, basically. Because, I mean, the Avs' best players have always been high skill, stretch the game out forwards, who want to skate through you and do, you know, dazzling things with the puck. And they're not a team that's going to try to, you know, come in as five and just pulverize their way through you. That's not their game, and it's never been their game. So there are just styles that match up differently against each other, and they still do struggle with that grindy style just because it's the antithesis to what they do. Yeah, and you know, St. Louis is, is sort of the, the king of the hill of that style, and obviously we've, you know, we've rarely done well against them. So, And the heavy pressure team, even though... Vegas kind of plays like that, so yeah, they usually do. Vegas does it with pace, though. It's a little bit different. They like to skate too, and I think that's the big difference with them. It, the one we can go back to to talking about this grindiness, but the one like shining beacon of light in this Ducks game was absolutely Kale McCarr. Kale McCarr was good. Oh yeah, nobody else was like. I, he wasn't good. He was great. I mean, that was really, truly an incredible performance from a 20-year-old kid that just came into a game and said, I'm better than everyone else here. Yeah. And yeah, that's, we neglected to mention he scored his first reg- regular season goal against Vegas. Um, I, you know, he's he's he was struggling a little bit before that. Uh, I think getting him away from Z... That's that's just it wasn't a great match for those two. Um, you know, I don't think it's anything to do with either guy deficiencies or, or whatever. I just think they it wasn't a you know a good matchup for either guy. Um, but putting him with Cole, you know, which you know I'm not a huge Cole fan, but it it seems to have given him some stability. Plus minus King and Nicole. take yeah. <laughs> And um, and taking him off of the first power play, and you know, I think helped a lot because I think the the kind of zone entries we saw him do, which were absolutely phenomenal, uh, yeah, on the power play. Can we just? Uh, I, I I think part of that was putting him on power play too, and saying, "Dude, you do your thing, and the other guys will just play off you," the... which is something he can't do on power play one. Fake drop pass, great or greatest yeah. zone entry in Avalanche history. <laughs> Well, I, mean, I don't know. I mean, the other one where the dude blank tried to hip check goal, him and, so. and hip check the boards ten feet behind yeah. him was pretty good too. <laughs> I call that one the yeet. But... <laughs> yeah, both those zone entries were fantastic, and it, that's something that I think could be the cure for Ray Bennett. Is 
you know, <laughs> it's instead of trying the deliberate zone entry, which you know has had limited success. And I know, like it, it, the the only thing worse than the drop pass is not using the drop pass. So, you know, it is what it is. But when you have a zone entry like that working for you and you can actually do transition work on your power play that's just right in the abs wheelhouse i mean if they right, get a shot the within three seconds of entering the zone oh my god yeah this is the key for them if they ever want to think out of the box really think out of the box on a power play is to treat it like transition offense yeah but that that might be a little too scary for them i don't at this point like, if McCarr can do that consistently, I actually subscribe way more to the drop pass than I did. Because, yes, you can drop it back to McKinnon and have McKinnon do his thing. Or you can have McCarr carry it in. And all of a sudden, McKinnon is the fifth man in. The defense is going to lose him. And if you can create space for Nathan McKinnon on the power play, good things are happening. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you have a lot of options there with the zone entry. Like, you could have Max skating next to him, and then maybe you, you know, you pass to him sideways instead of dropping. You could have him behind him and, and have it be sort of like a pitch back um, and, and use it that way. Or you can just bull rush it right past everybody like you did. I mean, it it's sort of like making McCarr an option quarterback. Yeah, it, it keeps the defense honest, right? It's not, oh, he's dropping the puck. Yeah. Yeah, let's let's kind of stay on the power play here, because uh, Colorado have gotten four power play goals this week, and that did kind of coincide with Girard and McCarr sort of doing that little swapperino. And we've, I, if I remember right, Bednar said that McCarr shooting more on power play two was kind of the goal. Did yeah. did I invent that or did that happen? I think he said, said that. that. I I still think one of the reasons for it was to take more off his take some off his plate, which I think Bednar didn't exactly want to verbalize. Yeah, sure. definitely. But I think it's pretty clear that that was not just an excuse, and we're, we're seeing more evidence of exactly how coachable a player Cal McCarr is, because he has shot the hell out of the puck on the power play. Like, it's to the point where you're going, okay, you can't shoot every puck. Yeah, he had, what, like 12 shot attempts in the Ducks <laughs> game? Crazy. Like, Yeah. Yeah, and I always felt like he, I always said he's a shooter, and he hadn't been. Like, he only had, what, seven, was it seven shots on goal or seven shot attempts up to this point? And then starting with the Vegas game, he started shooting again, and he probably won't get 12 shot attempts every game, but that's what he, he might do when he's <laughs> on his game. Still, still a little bit too much on the point for me. Still want to see yeah. more of that penetration, but clearly way more confident play from him. And, and one I think Benhar actually helped. said about the, I don't want to call it a demotion really, but one thing he said is that it seemed like McCarr was being a little too deferential to guys like Mac and Miko and Landy on the, the top unit. That's what I'm thinking of. And Right. So, you know, he, putting him on the second unit just allowed him to, to be the guy and, you know, so use Burkowski and Jost and Comfer, um, you know, sort of how he wanted to, because um, it just it wouldn't be the same as deferring to the more veteran players. I will say, jumping off from McCarr but staying on the power play, keep McKinnon and Kadri together, please. Yeah, because 
the reason the power play has looked better this week, despite the losses, is one, Nathan McKinnon is using his feet. He is skating very well. He's switching positions. He's working in and out with Sam Gerrard up high. And Kadri is playing off of that incredibly well, moving his own feet, sliding in and out from that bumper position. And it's oh, creating I, opportunities. I'll go a step further. I think Kadri's actually causing it because I think he will move out from the bumper position into where Mac usually stands. And that forces Mac yeah. to have to go somewhere sure. else. It works that way as well. And it's, well, it's I also so think Sam refreshing. helps that, but anything that makes your power play move, I'll take yeah. it. And like Confer's over on the side, just like waving at everyone, not doing anything, but still. And Kadri's just like, ha now you're the guy nobody passes to. Yeah, <laughs> 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 yeah I, but I, I really do like the way that, that Kadri and, and Mac are, are playing off each other, and you know, if that sort of dynamic of both of them moving their feet and moving in and out of the box, um, if that can get even better and better and better as the season goes on, I mean, you know, maybe we will have sort of a 25 to 30% power play. And no, don't get too crazy there. I, <laughs> I, I know TV loves Gerard and. It did work beautifully in that Vegas game off of Gerard, but McCarr also did a fantastic job of it in the. That's Duck why game. he's both of them, especially with Miko out. Like, I get it when you, Miko. You can't, when... you can't though. You can't use both <laughs> of them because they both sit high, and then McK- McKinnon has to work from the half wall down. And McCarr doesn't but, sit high at all. McCarr, I mean, he'll go down low. He will take Max spot too. I mean, so if you're doing the that, the problem why... I have with putting them both out is what do you do with the second unit? Dude, that's when you end up with a second uh, unit captained I mean, by Eric Johnson or something, and that's just not good. Or yeah. just use one of the other ones. They're 21 years old. They can play an extra I 30 don't, seconds. I just, if you're not going to keep Makar out high, why isn't that just Burakovsky loaded for a one-timer? Like, Sure. I wouldn't have picked Comfort. <laughs> I mean, I'm with you there, but that's a different topic than playing 2D. I definitely, like, even if you want to play 2D later, I don't think the time is now. I, I think yeah. that the we're kind of looking at the long game here with, with having Makar on the second unit, kind of helping him learn when he can use his shot, when he can move himself into space and try to get those, you know, chances from the circles instead of the point. Um, and just kind of getting that confidence that that is his role in the power play, not to just move the puck to people who have nines in their numbers. Yeah, I mean, I think well, down I the road agree, when, but... there's, when Byram is on the team or maybe Timmons later on this year, perhaps, or even Rosen, if you if you have access to another guy that can run a power play, then you can go with Sam and, and Makar on one unit and no. the other guy on really the other. I don't worried about like... your 30 seconds. Like, you could put Zadorov out there. Like, no. he's okay for No, that's like putting Mark Alt out there. No, we no. don't do that. Zadorov's not that Running bad. Running a 2D power play is strictly <laughs> wrong. This is the hill I'll die on. It's not wrong with the talent the Avs It's have strictly it. wrong. Even running Carlson and Burns together is wrong. You're just not gonna, using okay, your talent what are they effectively. Do when they have Byram, just one of them just. Byram's not going to PP. Yeah, Byram is not going to PP. He's going to PK a billion minutes and play 30 minutes a night, but he's not going to PP. I don't know about that one. Yeah, I don't know about that either. 
Whoever's it's gonna be, go, maybe, it'll be interesting. And what about Timmy? I mean, Timmy. Timmy's definitely not PPing. That's he's, he's the luckiest guy in the universe. You can't not have him on the PP. <laughs> yeah. Timmy's the guy you put out as the sixth man, but he's not on the PP. <laughs> you have to look at what you have available, and with Miko not available, that's great that it's worked at to this point, but. They're going to need to have more talent on the ice. The way you do that is you go back to last year and you say, rest in peace, second unit. McKinnon's unit is getting a minute 45 every power play. Well, that's how that now. Segue. And they scored four goals this week. They sure did. <laughs> now, let, let's be fair. One of them was an accident. Yeah, that, that Miller goal was pretty rough, but... <laughs> <clears throat> and I honestly didn't even see the one that happened in the third period of the Ducks game. It was great entry and, and run around the whole zone by Makar, and then Mac played very well off it. Confer got in and, and corralled a rebound and just touched it to Mac, and Mac did things that he does with his backhands. Gotcha. And and now that we've sung the praises of the power play, let's also remember that there were two power plays last night that just made me want to puke. Yeah. <laughs> for, for as um, incredible as Makar's zone entries were, everyone else's were not. And the the ones where the Ducks looked like they were on the power play, that was not good either. <laughs> no kidding. Yeah, like especially the one on the after the the goal was reviewed and deemed a goal. And they got the freebie. That was just hideous. Yeah, it was pretty. So, <clears throat> consistent they are not yet, but there are flashes of things that, that we may enjoy. So, that reviewed goal helped me understand the logic of putting in a coach's challenge on that goal. Goalie interference is a coin flip and there was contact, even if it was outside the crease? Yeah, but you're, I, The outside you're... the crease thing is... is you know, is does the video coach for Anaheim know that that's that's generally not going to get called? But like you're you're putting well, your team at a real risk to get, put themselves in a tied situation. Yeah, when you can. Just this let it is stay also the Abs power play, which just scored on you. Exactly, <laughs> which means they're not getting another one. <laughs> they, that was all they got. Outside of the other power play goal, Ryan Miller had been playing a very good game. And Miller is a bit of a head case. Is he it a little bit of a vote of confidence to, to challenge that and say, hey, we know you got fucked with on that one? Miller usually plays well against the Avs. He has his own. I, mean, I think that I, I think if this is last year and, the, and there's no penalty in the offering, um, you know, that's that's definitely a challenge you, you might make. Um, but this year, uh, that's just that's a really tough call. You're you're going to give up a a lot to a team that seems to be, you know, starting the third period on a little bit of a roll, and you know it. <clears throat> I, I wouldn't have liked Jared Bednar making that call. That's that's for sure. And that's really what I'm just trying to get at. It's like I I don't get it. That that's a really big risk with not yeah. a whole lot of payoff. Like even if you win that challenge, you're you're still like you're winning instead of just I, winning. I think it depends yeah. on the circumstance because Bednar has a good handle on goalie interference, and if well, definitely, I'm just saying in that things, circumstance, that's a that's a really tough call to make. I just I wouldn't I I would not have been 
in favor of that at all. In the second period. Maybe in the second period. Not in the third period. Sure. But you saw what they did with that power play. Yeah, it, it obviously didn't end up mattering. And then not long after that, you had like five skaters crash through Ryan Miller's net. So you knew it was really a peel game at that point. <laughs> uh, well, hang on a minute. Does the goal scoring ability play in here? What? Because the Anaheim Ducks are one of the lowest scoring teams in the league besides like Dallas, who doesn't actually know how to play hockey. <laughs> um, they had a two-goal lead here. The coaching staff is probably operating under the assumption that they're not scoring another goal in this game, even though they did. Keeping yeah, that two-goal like lead... Four goals, is, oh my god, this is huge. Yeah. yeah, like if they keep that two-goal lead, it's a super easy lockdown for them. So I, I kind of understand where their coaching staff was coming from. I agree that it's like probably a bit high risk to challenge that one in particular. It seemed like there wasn't a great case for that one. So that's where I would yeah. agree. That's, that's my point on it. It's just, that's like a, you got a 10% shot of making that work. I mean, they knew Tim Peel was in, so. True. That's true. Does the ref review that or does Toronto review that? They've I mean, changed they so did. many things. Out. Toronto right. reviews it, but ref has final say. Ah, okay. Well, whatever. That that's a little bit off into the weeds. Um, <laughs> yeah, we're very deep in the weeds. <laughs> yeah, the the main point here is that hopefully Nazem Kadri continues to do what he's doing on the power play and Sam Gerrard as well, because they're both enabling Nathan McKinnon to do what Nathan McKinnon does. Skate. Yes. End of chapter. Turn page. What's up with Gabe Landeskog? My god. Oh. It's... I cannot remember a time in his entire career where he's had four bad games in a row, and that's what he's done. And it's not... And it's gotten worse as it's gone on. Like, the penalty he took after getting checked against Anaheim and then coming back and just blatantly taking interference is... That's this not... dumb. Yeah, the, yeah. You gotta, you're the captain. You gotta be smarter than that. Yeah, I mean, when he was playing with one arm last year in the playoffs, he was better than this. Um, and he didn't even take I, a quote-unquote maintenance day lately, so can we even use injury as an excuse? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I was fine with using that as an excuse, uh, you know, sort of early in the road trip when he had been taking maintenance days during the homestand. But, I, I mean, maybe it's just something that's nagging and... and it doesn't require copious maintenance days, but I don't know. Um, but I mean, he's just, he's not been that effective and the penalties are sort of back to, you know, sort of 2015 level. That's, that penalty is just a stupid tax. Yeah. Like what do you think was going to happen? It, and you know, I, I can understand a little bit of playing on the edge to a certain extent, but in general, he makes up for it with extremely solid defensive play, and that just has not been there yeah. at all. His defense has been regularly, he's not even the first forward back, and when he is back on defense, his play has been disjointed significantly. 
Yeah, I mean, I think he's a big key to why they're they're just underwater all the time as far as shot differential. Yeah, we're used um, to seeing Gabe Landeskog just like four or five steals a game in the neutral zone, and that's just not there. Yeah. I don't really know what the solution is other than maybe this is the time to mix the lines up, especially when you don't have Miko, so you can't even say, you know, we're keeping everything together because the big line. I don't really know what you can do other than that. I mean, that that implies that it's the personnel he's with that is the problem, and I don't think that's the case. I mean, it's... Well, which is mitigated, right? If he's having a problem... Playing him more doesn't really seem to be the solution. They're still playing I mean, I top that, line quite a bit. I mean, if this is a you know physical issue, address it. Well, yeah. Um, I know it's I know it's tough now that Miko's out. That you know they had their shot to do it when it wouldn't have hurt, and then Miko gets hurt. And now you kind of have to play Gabe. Um, you know they. <clears throat> without knowing exactly what's going on with him physically, maybe it's nothing, maybe it is. Um, you know, that's a tough call. I, I mean, this is just really hard to diagnose because he just doesn't play like this. So no one has solutions because we don't know what's wrong. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I am into this idea of trying to kind of split things apart a little bit. Um, especially because the, the top line is at, at five on five, like they're, they're getting points, but they're getting points from the power play. The top line's not getting it done at even strength. And McKinnon's yeah. done great to have that streak. There are definitely a few cheap games in there. Yeah, definitely got a few. Streak, More yeah. than a few, I would say. Yeah, but we, we <laughs> yeah. should mention that Nathan McKinnon had a 10 game point streak to start the season, which is a new avalanche record. Well done there. 11 now. Yeah. Yeah. I guess it was 11 in it. Tim was Which, the record, though. I mean, yeah. If you're looking at the positive side of this, Nathan McKinnon has set the record for Avs point streak to start a season, and he's not played his best pretty much in any game. He's and he's still producing, and that's once it gets together, once that top line figures it out, watch out. Yeah, when yeah, he I mean, starts it's... scoring goals and beating goalies and making great plays for yeah, sure his shooting percentage is low compared to last year his shot rate is about 15 to 20 percent lower than it was if you take last year as a whole i mean it, during this stretch of last year he was he was shooting you know six or seven shots per game he's been averaging 3.8 so far this season which is you know that's very low for him so <laughs> four shots we're, a game we're, is low yeah so I mean he he's got at least twenty percent capacity and and probably more than that in the bank. So when when you know, we all know he's kind of a streaky player, and when the when the streaks really begins, uh, which would be nice, like like now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, especially while Miko's still out. We'll, we'll right. save that in the know, evergreen this, file. This would be a great time to have sort of a a reawakening. Um, sure, but you know, sure would be nice to get a Nathan McKinnon streak right now. Yes. Yeah, always true. <laughs> um, but it is nice to know that with the team playing this well, and he's just not even that much of a a part of it as he would have been last year. 
this is what excites me about this team. Yeah. The depth has done the job and we haven't seen the top line truly dominate and great teams run into this problem all the time where they're either firing on all cylinders or they're firing on none of their cylinders. The abs have kind of mapped this out great to where if McKinnon can kick it into gear, once the depth starts to fall off, they can kind of just keep on steady trucking and I can't wait to watch it. Yeah. Yeah. Six goals a night sounds low. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've got one more um, hard segue of, and random question before we get into stars and scratches, which is what's it going to take to get some games for Vlad Kamenev? Uh, Someone else getting in the injured? universe. <laughs> I don't know. Well, there's a few way there's a few directions this can go. One is are they setting him up to send him to Loveland at some point? Now, he sat out so long that they could use the two-week conditioning to send him there, which is why I think there's a reason why they haven't thrown him even just one game here and there. Like they Benner says he wants to keep everyone involved. That's why they played Barbario, blah blah blah, but Apparently that doesn't apply to Kamenev. Now, if that's not what they're setting up, then it does seem really silly, especially since Nikushkin's getting seven minutes a night. His effectiveness has dropped. You could easily put Kamenev in for a game, and really should at this point. The, so the we'll problem is goes. they see Kamenev as a true center and not a winger at all. But they also see Kamenev as the sixth center on the team. At the start of the year, Comfort was a center. He got hurt, and they moved Jost to center ahead of getting Kamenev into the lineup. And that's it. If they're not willing to play Kamenev on the wing, he will never get a game because they'll just move Comfort back to center if someone gets hurt. Right, yeah. Then how? Then what's the point? Right, right I, because... I don't understand. I want Kamenev to get into a game, just play him at wing, it's fine, let him play, but they seem to have other plans. Uh, I mean, I think Nichushkin's ineffectiveness could force their hand. Um, you know, maybe he is going to go down to Loveland. I, I think it, at this point, it might actually be a good idea for him to go down there and play. This week coming up, actually, if they send him down there, they've got, um, uh, I think they got six games in about... 10 days. If, if that not, might be what they're waiting for, because if, or else it makes no sense. And that's not the worst idea in the world. If you're not willing to play Kamenev at wing, you can play a Martin Kaut over Nachushkin. You can play an AJ Greer. Sure, he's suspended in the AHL, but not in the NHL. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, you could, if you're at the point where you're playing a guy seven minutes a night, that could be anybody. Right. Well, Get also, a also they there. could send him to Loveland and have him play wing. If that's, you know, if they're like, Okay. It doesn't look like we're going to be needing centers anytime soon, so maybe we need to get Cam some time. I I just don't get it. They have zero problem moving wings to center. Why can't they do it the other way around? That's why I think their insistence on not playing him makes sense for a conditioning stint, which of course the significance of that is because then he wouldn't need to be get waived, but that's... Like a two-week thing, I think we all would kind of agree he needs to get some games in. If they're waiting for when the Eagles' schedule actually picks up, 
then that would make sense why they've done it this way. Yeah, okay. they're clearly not... terrified of waving him. Yeah. <laughs> then oh, then then it's either well, one or the actually... other. Then either send him on a conditioning stint or play him. Like it's if you like him enough to be so worried about waving him, then you have to get something out of him. I mean, I think it's they're like also waiting. The other. I I think they want to see some you know better play from him. I guess in practice or maybe perhaps in Loveland. But Benar remarked that he, you know, the Kemen have struggled in 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 camp. Uh, they weren't, you know, they they didn't like that much, and that's part of the reason why he hasn't played so far. Um. So, I mean, you know, you know who else had a brutal camp is Ryan Graves, and he's been extremely solid for him. So, yeah, and Barbaria wasn't very good either. So fair, is, but that's fair. <clears throat> I, you know, our, our criteria are a bit different than the coaching staff's, obviously, so who knows what they really want to see out of him. Miko didn't do anything in training camp. <laughs> yeah, he didn't even show up. Miko-proved camp means nothing, that's true. Slacker. Um, but bottom Except line is, healthy. we don't know what it's going to take for Cam to get in a game, so... Well, they should try more things with Miko out is, is a reason why they have to try different things, and obviously... At the recording of this, we've only seen two games without Miko, so there's certainly going to be a lot more opportunity for other things to happen. I mean, now more than ever is the time, right? They've lost yeah. two of their last three games. If you, I, yeah, hockey players, hockey coaches, hockey whoever hate messing with their lineup when they win, but <laughs> they change won- generally. Yeah, so get them in. So yeah, yeah, this is the time for them to about some new things. Uh, today at practice Kamenev was in Comfer's spot on the top line because Comfer had a quote-unquote maintenance day. But we all know he's never going to play on that line. Maintenance day for his ego, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> he's definitely never going to actually play in a real game on that line. We are pretty much all understanding of that. So that really is just slotting straight into Comfer's spot. And it's discouraging because if if you're thinking maybe we want to try somebody who isn't JTC on the top line, you'd think they would use the JTC maintenance day to say, hey, yeah. Burakovsky, let's go. I guess we'll see on Tuesday. That's when they have to really show their hand. Right, because they don't play again until Wednesday. Which we'll get to next week, but before we get to next week, we do need to put a cap on this week um, with Stars and Scratches. So who was good this week? And I will take the obvious because that is my job. Kale McCarr. Yes, he deserves it. And you mentioned something earlier about how him being able to take coaching. I, I want to branch off that and just say how he seems to have a short memory. He can bounce back. He can have a bad game. But he's able to come to the next game with kind of a fresh perspective and get rolling again. So he deserves it. Good week for Kale. I mean, McCarr deserves all three stars, if we're being honest. (laughs) Like, this is truly a superstar in the making, and the next handful of years, hopefully more than a decade of Kale McCarr, is is going to be incredible to watch. But I don't even think we could overstate the game, the Ducks game. I mean, he did things where it was just like, this guy's a superstar. It's just, it's going to happen. 
I mean, he was really good against Vegas, too. It's just everyone else was, too, so it didn't stand out as much. <laughs> but if we have to pick another one, I'm going to give mine to Philip Grubauer. He's currently one of the winningest goalies in the league. He's been absolutely fantastic. Arguably, very few. We'll, we'll, we'll call it very few soft goals against that have actually had a significant impact. And if he can continue to play at the current rate that he's playing at, the Avs are starting to move into contender territory. Agreed. Goaltending always matters. <clears throat> I guess for uh, my star, I'd like to give it to Calvert and Belmare. They, they've been super solid. Scoring, scoring goals. Calvert scoring two goals. Belmare scoring two goals. They almost got to give one. it to them. They had that. Yeah. Like a, a, they did a little bit of overpassing. Is was kind of what it looked like between with uh, Calvert and Nieto to Belmar. But I really thought Ryan Miller was getting over and Nieto didn't actually have much to shoot at and Belmar would have if the, if the pass could have got through. Yeah. Like, Belmar would have had five feet to shoot at. <clears throat> but them scoring goals makes a difference, so they they deserve it. They should deserve to share a star. And I'm going to go a little off the board and say Tyson Jost. Um he didn't have a hat trick this week. How are you going to do that? He did not have a hat trick this week, but he's continued to play solid. I, it's tough because I wrote something really nice about him after the Vegas game, and then they had a rough outing against Anaheim. But um, you know that line, uh, whether it was Comfer and, and you know even a little bit with Nachushkin, um, they've stayed effective, and the role is weird, but I, I think it is defined enough that, that they sort of have a purpose. Um, I, I didn't think they were going to when they kind of put Willie and, and Jost and Comfort together. It sort of looked like the, the rest of the gang kind of line. Um, but they do play a heavy possession game. They can, you know, the, the points probably aren't going to be a lot, but as we've seen with Jost's hat trick, yeah, they can come. Not when the two Um <laughs> not with Nachushkin. He's not going to score. Nope. Um, it, it does look like he he's found a role. He's found a home. And yeah. Just it just he reads the play so much better than he used to. I yeah. mean, it's he's he doesn't put himself in dumb situations. He's not ten feet away from where he's supposed to be all the time. Um, you know, it's just he he looks like he knows what he's doing out there, and it, it's it's you know it's really it's really nice to see because. You know, this was kind of a make or, make or break year for him, and you know, I well, think he's showing We'll see how that... much production that leads to, but yeah, but yeah, him finding a role is at least something they need to do. And now, if that's not as much offense as they want, if as they want at the end of the day, then they'll have to reconsider certain things. But I think just getting him comfortable and ultimately useful is really important. It is. It really seems to me, and this is from well outside, so maybe entirely wrong, but it seems to me like the game has slowed down for him. Yeah. And that's really what's making the difference. Yeah, it is. You know, and that and that, that goes back to, you know, not being out of position and, and all those things, but it's just, you know, he he's seeing the game correctly now. He's, he's processing it at the right speed, and, and it just... So are we saying that all that is due to maturity, or is it due to that he's playing that third-line center role? 
I mean, it's both. He definitely should be in the in the center, and you can see the maturity is what's leading to, you know, sort of playing a more complete game. Who are we scratching? Miko's ankle. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's an ankle. We don't know. They won't tell us. It could, it could be, be a, a lower Gucci sandal. Injury. I mean. It could be a lower ankle injury. It could be an upper ankle injury. It could be a mid-ankle injury. It could be anything. So we're going to scratch Miko's ankle, but who are we going to actually scratch? Other than, other than we we already spent like 10 minutes scratching Landeskog. I'm going to scratch EJ. <laughs> um, and this pains me because I was, you know, I was ready for him to really be getting better. I think it's tough when you come back from a shoulder injury, and a lot of times they say that, yeah, you can come back, but it's going to take a couple of months before you're really 100% back. And again, you know, I, I the hope is that those couple of months uh, allow him to be a lot more effective than he has, but it's just, there, there are a lot of things that don't seem to be injury-related that he's messing up, like reads and... Oh, yeah. yeah, I was going to say that. It seems a, he was never the sharpest knife in the drawer but for some reason that seems to be more obvious and it, is it because he's maybe lost a step or a half a step and it's just I I do wonder how much this, this is an av system thing but Steph and like three people watching are going to get this analogy but it's when you're playing Rocket League right and you actively put yourself in no man's land where you don't make a decision and now you're not covering your spot and you're not really able to challenge the ball. Uh, and the so ball you're just... soars over your head and you reflexively jump and then go, oh shit, I can't reach that. And it's in the yes, goal. Exactly. Yeah. And EJ does that to himself constantly defensively. He doesn't cover anyone. He doesn't challenge the puck carrier. He just puts himself in the middle and he's like, well shit, now I have to try and block this shot. And he just doesn't. And it's just not effective. But see, he doesn't yeah. have to do everything because he's usually playing with Sam. Sam's good at defending. So it shouldn't be now where he feels like he has to be kind of everywhere and maybe sort of half covering three different things. I would prefer him try to do everything. I'd prefer him just to cover what he's supposed to cover. <laughs> Just do one thing well. Pick one thing and do that yeah. well. I think it's funny that we're talking about this specifically. Enough with the muffins in the middle, too. Because the, the best example of this kind of behavior is is not from Eric Johnson this week. It's Nikita Zadorov on the Getzloff power play goal. It very, very yeah. much is. That was horribly yeah. brutal. And that's why I, I, I question, is, it this, is this an ab systems thing more than an EJ thing? Yeah, because you also pointed out in your video today something about Graves doing about the same thing as well. Yeah, it, um, particularly the right D. Yeah. All the time in the Av system ends up in this situation. Yeah, and so I, think I, I, I do think you might be onto something there. Um, I do think EJ has of his own dum-dums for a scratch, but it's certainly a fair question because I was going to suggest Zadorov is a scratch too. And I think he does get, and we all know he gets a short leash, and it's kind of easy to pick on him, but we know that he can be better than what he was this week. The least favorite player, if you ask, have social media. <laughs> yeah. We and still I, love him, you know, and he's in the Z's best dress. 
by my In Z's defense as well, like he's, you know, he's switching to playing with Kale McCarr and now he's playing with Graves. That's a yeah. really big gap in skill with the partner. Um, you know, he, he's not playing with a puck mover anymore. So, you know, he's got a lot more responsibility as far as the breakout and whatnot. So... I, I can see why it might take him a little bit, you know, a few games to to get, you know, his puck moving mojo working. I guess, but it's just tough with Z uh, right now, like because there's some of it is that, but there's also he's good for two penalties a game that he's, he's going to take. One of them is going to be because he got bumped and his arms went around the other player <laughs> as he got bumped, and the ref said, "Hey, that looks sort of like holding. I think I'll call it." And then the other yeah. one, you see the replay, and you go, "Oh yeah, he did that shit." <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I'd say that's fair. Both and, then, are gonna then, and then there'll be the Ian Cole penalty. That that's a given. I just I just need Z to have a ten year veteran career because once he gets there, he's gonna get the Chara level respect <laughs> where nobody calls anything on him and he can get away with a ton of bullshit. But he's just yeah. not there yet. He'll probably exactly. be playing for like Florida by then. Oh, maybe the Avs can sign him out of free agency when his contract with Seattle expires. Yeah, he's definitely going to Seattle. It's it's happening at this point. I've accepted it. I don't know if it's going to be that, but he's not going to be here for very long. Which is sad. Because I do have a lot of love for Sidorov and what he can bring to the table, but he can be better. It's fine. Kale McCarr can just replace that too, because apparently he crushes people. <laughs> <laughs> he does. Y'all have been Those telling us that we knew that. Fun. Yeah, like every time it happens, y'all are going. We've been telling you, so let's not act all yeah. surprised now. He's not five eleven, one eighty seven anymore. <laughs> <laughs> or if he is, it's even funnier. And it's hilarious <laughs> when people keep writing that, and it's like yeah. seriously, when they talk about these small defensemen, it's like he's a small puck mover. <laughs> this player has skill, so they must Better not yet, have size. Call him a small puck mover. <laughs> it, it's just the old school brain. It's the dinosaur brain. It's, the, it's you have either skill or size. You cannot have both. You cannot play with both. And he was like 5'11", and he was like 18 years old. <laughs> so It's going to be Kale's 21st birthday this week, so uh -oh. he'll be a, a full-fledged adult. You know when he plays bad, it's the hangover. <laughs> oh no! Let's see. Well, I think his... he didn't have any beer in his fridge, so I don't know. You <laughs> <laughs> might be okay for the Florida game, it... but after that, might he's be not twenty-one. They had to remove all the beer oh, right. for the shot. So, what day is the birthday? I think it's the thirtieth. So, yeah, I think they play Florida that day, so, so but that Wednesday. night's probably going to be. Oh, well, then they've got Thursday off, and he can have a maintenance day. All good. Yeah. That's true. We should, we, su we should suggest a maintenance day for him that day. <laughs> yeah. Once again, this will be a bye week for Burgundy Radio. So coming up in the next two weeks, the Avs finish off the homestand with an 8 o'clock local start on Wednesday against the Florida Panthers, thanks to the NBC TV deal, even though it's on altitude. And on Friday against the Dallas Stars, 7 o'clock Mountain on altitude for that one. After that, it's another traveling back-to-back -back as Colorado had to Arizona for a 7 o'clock mountain start on Saturday. That one's on the Ocho, Altitude 2, assuming you're able to watch them on cable at all. 
Tuesday sees the Avs make their first international trip of the year as they head to Texas and take on the Dallas Stars at 6.30 Mountain. Then Thursday the 7th and Saturday the 9th, it's back to the Pepsi Center for games against the Nashville Predators, note to Foley artist, insert spitting sound here, and the Columbus Blue Jackets. Six games, three in division. What have you got? Let's hope that Dallas doesn't know how to play hockey anymore. Continues. Oh, they don't. (laughs) Um, They need to get... I think they need to bank some points these next two weeks because after that will be the Canadian road trip, which has historically not been their friend. So they really need to win probably at least four and maybe five of these six games. I think they can, especially since Dallas looks pretty poor. That Arizona game might be tough just because we kind of see how they can play now and it's a tough system for the Avs to crack and they're going on the road on a traveling back-to-back for that one. Um, I feel like they can beat Nashville, especially since that one's at home. Columbus, I think they can be- win that one at home. So I'll, I will be optimistic as I always am and say... <laughs> <laughs> they'll win. They'll get ten points this these next two weeks. Okay, that was oddly specific. I think I'd, I'd, I I was going to say ten points as well. I, I think that's that's probably a good mark. They'll probably do better than that. <clears throat> um, just and because... Florida's not a real team, so they don't get any analysis. <laughs> <laughs> means <laughs> the florida panthers are the only team that doesn't actually exist that's ottawa that's the that's the only <laughs> game i haven't seen either so to me there's no such thing as florida panthers so it's okay no one in sunrise actually watched it either so <laughs> this dates all the way back to the time that the, the avalanche had a regular season nhl game not televised because of the nbc sports exclusivity window and so we watched a Jumbotron feed on the internet. <laughs> which Legally. And it occasionally said video lock error. Yep. But the Legally. greatest thing was this was a legal feed, right? Absolutely. Well, I mean, even if it wasn't, I'm sure there's some statute of limitations or something. I know, but that's even the funnier part. <laughs> but sorry, I, I got you on track. Or you I, don't, I don't remember. Giving your prediction, Earl. No, I agree. I think 10 points is, is is a good sweet spot there. Yeah. I I really want them to beat Dallas in both games, but I don't know that they will. Nashville's a hard L without Rantanen. You probably split the back-to-back one way or the other. So 10 points seems reasonable. Well, I have to be the beacon of optimism, so I'll move it up to 11. <laughs> so, hold on. Rudo just called, like, three losses and then yeah, predicted five wins. <laughs> the overtime losses are a thing. Oh! Florida's an easy win. Columbus is an easy win. Nashville's the hard L. You just... So, wait, with Miko injured, they should win most Nashville. overtime games. I, I really don't think that one's... I, I'm not going to say it's going to be easy, but that one's at home. I wouldn't call that one hard out. 
Actually, they'll probably lose to Florida because it's too quick for a rematch. I agree with you on the Dallas thing that it's two out of the three games against the same team is pretty much begging for a split. It screams overtime, too. It's, it is really tough to beat a team twice in a short amount of time. I think Florida, yeah. the Florida thing, there's a little bit more space there. There's a couple of weeks. Dallas yeah, is like I, five days. Yeah. If there's a team Nathan McKinnon is going to put it together against, it's Florida. So. <laughs> See, I'm thinking the stars are. I just, I don't, I don't see anything there. I think they're just terrible. Maybe the Predators will let us borrow Matt Duchesne for those games. Well, he's been injured now. I don't know how serious it is. Even better. Like, look, you're not even missing anything. Just let us, let us have him for like ten minutes a night. He'll get his two goals because it's against Dallas, and you can have him back. We could borrow Varley from the Islanders too. There you go. I don't think they'd be too upset about that either. Yeah, he's been <laughs> struggling. Mitch Korn. Not as good as we thought. So I think nine points is pretty reasonable based on who they've got on the schedule this week. Um, it's I, You really hope six of them come against the division opponents. That's all I got to say. If you're gonna lay, yeah. If you're going to lay eggs, doing one against Arizona is not ideal, but acceptable. Doing one against Columbus is, I mean, they're they're a team. You gotta that's, win. You gotta yeah, win that one. That's it's not a back to back. Your second game at home. That's you gotta yeah. beat that team. Yes, but in in terms of the standings points. Yeah, fair. I mean, if you're giving two points to Dallas or to Nashville, it's not the same. If they are beat we really, Nashville, are we really worried about Dallas, Columbus. On paper, we're not worried about about Dallas at all, but they are playing twice in a week. They do have Avs killer Joe Pavelski now. <laughs> On the oh, fourth line. Sure. Yeah, that's, <laughs> sure. that's a disaster waiting to happen. <laughs> and there's not a soul on the Avalanche roster who doesn't want to go out of their way to hit Corey Perry. So Is he even playing yet? I don't know. Oh, he's on the second line now. Oh, okay. I, I, I see way too many ways that this can go upside down in a hurry. So you're saying it's almost like playing the old ducks? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> Except the old ducks have Joe Pavelski. <laughs> it's like a trip through the old Pacific Division. It's like, here's everything you hated about the California trip, and they're on a team you already hated. <laughs> And it's in Texas. Which way <laughs> do you do Frankie against Dallas or Arizona? Arizona. I don't think it matters. I just, he I loves don't think playing it matters. Arizona. I th- whether it matters or not, it seems like they do tend to give weight to things like goalie performance against certain teams. So they probably will play him against Arizona. Oh, the the first game with the back to back is Dallas, so right. you you give you give your starter the divisional game. So yeah, I mean, it matters a little sense. bit. Yeah, doesn't matter a lot, but it matters a little bit. Okay, so we're we're all feeling the you know should be several wins this week, probably not six, but should be several. Um, there's going to be at least one game this week that's going to make us really mad. There always is, but <laughs> five hundred hockey without ranting in is passable. 
I say they gotta bank more than that, but I mean every point they bank above that until Rantanen gets back is gravy to me. And then however long it takes him to get back to, you know, hundred percent too, there's always that. Ankle injuries take a minute. Yeah, I mean, if the playoffs are anything to go by, Rant and might actually be better at about 75%, but... <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess we'll find out. Um, and you, where you're going to find out is right here. Burgundy Radio is called Burgundy Radio on every outlet you can think of. SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Twitter. Um, you can easily find us any of us on the burgundy review discord or on twitter i think we're all there although some of us use it more than others some of us use it way too much we're gonna head up and get to the dirty areas and we will see you the second There's this button on the headphone that I didn't realize turned the microphone on, so. <laughs> Usually helps. It does. I don't read direction, so. <laughs> Definitely want your mic to have power. It's important. I just figured you'd always want to have it power. But this is a good thing to know, because I, now I can turn it off without doing it on the screen, so that's kind of neat. German technology. Oh, these Dick are your ein Interneter. <laughs> these are your Best Buy earbuds. <laughs> <laughs> I did get them at Best Buy, yes. <clears throat> See, I remember. This week's episode is brought to you by Best Buy. <laughs> I was going to get some from Newegg, but it just, I'd, you know, it takes time. And I didn't have any. <laughs>